Welcome back to SolveCast, where we provide you short, detailed answers to solve the questions that matter most to you. I'm your host for today, Carrie Roberts, and we are answering your questions on COVID and litigation when it comes to business. Joining me today is Mark Silverman, a partner at Benish Law. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Of course, COVID has caused a lot of stress and confusion for everyone, especially for businesses. And one of the big questions that businesses have is how do I keep my employees and my customers feeling safe while still running a business without the potential for a lawsuit? So can you share with us maybe three things that businesses should be thinking about doing now to reduce the likelihood of being sued during this time? Sure. So number one thing, first and foremost, is always going to be to increase communication, right? If you have a reason for what you're doing and you're able to articulate why you're doing that, it's going to put you in a better position to address any degree of anxiety, stress, or controversy that comes up. So whether your audience is your customers that you're dealing with or your employees, or I deal obviously with a lot of uh, oversight with the government. I'm the chair of the firm's uh, white collar and government investigations group. Um, Every one of those is going to have a different interest, but you can inspire a degree of security and confidence in whoever you're talking to if you can explain why you did what you did and address whatever their concern and how that impacts your relationship. I mean, I know this sounds silly, but people generally are less likely to sue someone that they feel good about, that they understand. And so if you can help someone feel secure, if you can help your employees feel secure, if you can help your customers feel that you'll be there for them or work with them, if you can help the government feel like you have a reason for what you did, there's going to be enough problem to people out there that perhaps you don't become the subject of the target. Yeah, I think those are great tips. From an employee standpoint, if their business is requiring them to go back into the office, but they do not feel comfortable to do so yet, and they'd rather work from home, what can a business or a boss do in that situation? So that's, I mean, that's as much a business thing as it is a personality and relationship thing. Uh, You know, I, I, the advice I give, believe it or not, is the same advice that was given to me when it came to how to approach my kids uh, in this pandemic, which is at the end of the day, what they're going to remember is how were they made to feel? They're going to have different disappointments. They're going to have different frustrations. They're going to have different problems, but did they feel safe? Did they feel respected? Did they feel taken care of? And I think employees and business partners are going to feel the same way. So when employees don't want to come back or don't feel comfortable coming back, you have to ask yourself the business questions first. Is the job that they want to do something that can be done remotely? Uh, Is it going to harm your productivity each way, right? If you have an employee who's in the workplace that is worried about being there, are you going to undermine your productivity enough that it's better to have them working remotely? If it isn't something that can be done remotely, how do you communicate that, address that, and resolve it? Um, Are they looking for something temporary? Like, listen, until we get to this point, or as long as the statistics are showing what they are, I'd rather work remotely, or is this, uh, I mean, I think we're seeing this a lot with the younger generation. I think people want the option to work remotely long-term. And you have to determine whether or not that makes sense for your business model. And I think you obviously do have to keep in mind, what are your obligations from a legal perspective? Can you do this in a discriminatory way? If you, or in a, excuse me, in a non-discriminatory, non-discriminatory way. you know, if you make an accommodation for one person, do you need to make it for more? Um, so the one thing I would say is this, if you're dealing with anything where someone is saying it's because of a health concern or because of safety risk, it's always worthwhile considering to consult with a lawyer who really does specialize in this area. 
Um, but it ties back to my first idea, which is if you have good communication going on throughout, the other thing that you can do with regards to that is make sure you have policies and procedures in place that are well designed to address these circumstances and then stick to them so that you're not making uh, what the law would call more of an arbitrary and capricious decision. And speaking of policy, for those that have a brick and mortar business, it, how can a, cust or a, a business handle a customer coming in that refuses to wear a mask, even though it's their policy for their business? So that's, it's a great question. And it's something that a lot of people are dealing with. And let's be candid. If you handle it badly, that's when you end up with the, you know, social media blitz, whether it's the customer who handled it badly or the business who handled it badly. Um, my advice to people is this, you need to have a policy, you need to have it published, both to your employees as well as to the public. And what I tell people is actually have it posted. You know, the sign on the door that says mask required for entry is good. It's better if you then have someone at the door who's not letting people come in so that you don't have the confrontation inside the business instead of outside. But then the other thing you need to do is make sure that people are consistently enforcing what that policy is. The other thing that I'll tell people is whatever it is, you need to know your comfort level and what you want. Think long-term with regards to your business. At the end of the day is the decision that you're going to want to make that it's more important to me and to my customer base and to my employees that I'm going to promote personal liberties and freedom versus I'm going to protect public health, safety, and security. Because if you make a short-term decision in one situation and you don't apply your policy, that's going to create a room for a lawyer to argue, and you're going to have to deal with those arguments at some point. At the same time, if you're thinking long-term, how do I want to be uh, viewed in this? Let that sort of be your guide, that be your compass. I always actually tell my clients, the great thing is you cannot make everyone happy. Whatever you do, you are going to upset some segment of the population. And the great thing about that is there's actually a freedom. Because if, if you know you're going to make people unhappy, then just do what you believe is right. And then that's a pretty good place to start from when someone says, why did you do what you did? Another question uh, to finish up here that is important is that a lot of businesses were able to get and use government funding during COVID, such as a PPP loan, for example. What do they need to do to prepare for the aftermath of COVID? So that's a great question because we have more government funds that have gone out in a short period of time. And especially if you can imagine doing healthcare and government regulatory work, I deal with false claims work. That's where the lion's share of a lot of the enforcement and investigative stuff that we deal with is. And so the advice I give to people is document, document, document. And you need to stay on top of what is required with regards to the laws. The government is going to be at some point coming back and asking for documentation and information to explain what did you do with the money? Did you follow the rules? And since the rules are changing, you need to not only be able to explain what you did, but what information was available when you did it. So what I tell people is if you have a board of directors, make sure that the appropriate information is flowing up to the board of directors and they're ratifying the decision. And then make sure that you have minutes that sort of date and time. If you're a smaller business, just make sure you're keeping some record and whether you're coordinating with your lawyer or whether you're coordinating with your CPA, just keep track of it. Because again, I think this falls under the idea that there'll be enough enforcement effort to look into what happened with the government's money there'll be enough bad players who were doing things wrong or who were cavalier and careless with what they were doing with the government funds. If you show you were making an honest, good faith effort to do things right, you may still end up with a small problem, but you can avoid the really big problems. And I think it's worth doing. 
Well, thank you, Mark, so much for sharing your insights on this topic. We greatly appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. I hope none of your listeners end up needing us. Uh, but if there's anything we can do to help, we appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for tuning in to SolveCast. You can learn more at SolveCast.com.